Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and y'all know how we do it. I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong Will Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. Today's poem is called Confide in You and here we go. I confide in you because I believe that you can handle my truth, even if it is but for a moment, and subject to change with my emotions. Today I may be in love and in dislike tomorrow, but whatever I feel at that moment, I choose to share it with you. As I confide in you, please don't take what I say so personally Because what's meant to be will always be. I may make the wrong choice, but let me use my own voice to express what it is I'm going through. I need that from you. Yes, you may disagree and not like my suffering, but please lend me an ear or two as I choose to confide in you. So I hope that y'all have had the most amazing morning evening, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And y'all, I've been looking through my old journals. I've been doing this a lot lately, kind of entertaining myself all at the same time, but also enlightening myself too. And so as I was going through my journal, um, this one, I noticed that there was an insert from September the 14th of 2012. And that's almost nine years ago. And do y'all remember the game MASH? Do y'all remember that game where the M stood for mansion, the A stood for apartment, the S stood for shack, and the H stood for house? And you would have this square. Then you would do the squiggly line and count each individual line. And based upon that number, then you would literally have at the top the acronym MASH, Um, Then you would have four names of different young men that you found attractive, had crushes on, were once in a relationship with, whatever the case may be. Maybe even someone you fantasized about being with in the near future. And then at the bottom, you would have these random numbers, all of them meaning how many years you thought that you all would be married or you all would be married if you landed on that. If that was the last number um, that you landed on that you would circle that number because that was supposed to be how many years you would be married to your future bay, according to this game. And then on the left-hand side, you would have the number of children that you two would have together. So I was literally going through my journal and stopped on an old game of MASH. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I thought it was so entertaining as I looked at this and I was like, wow, Wow. So here was in my 30s, I was still playing the game of MASH. Maybe I had gotten to the point of desperation of like, child, let me see if this game is going to give me a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more fortune than what my real life is handing me at this point, at this mo- point in time in my life. <laughs> so maybe that's what I was going through. Not quite sure because I didn't really write what I was, what possessed me to put this down. But I did nevertheless. excuse me and so um 
actually, I did write it down because I ended up contacting um, an old friend asking her if she remembered that game that we used to play back in the day. And then it says, once we hung up the phone, I remembered it and it was called MASH. And so I literally did the little, so I did write that down. I'm so detailed when I want to be, but when I was literally reading that and going over the little game and seeing who it was that I fell on and all that kind of stuff and who I was supposed to marry and all that good stuff, I ended up turning the page and writing down what the reality was compared to the fantasy. So this is what MASH was saying was going to happen. I guess that was like our predictable game or whatever, right? And then so back in the day, and then I put the reality of what actually took place. So <laughs> totally different than what was written on MASH. No, I didn't. Because according to this, I'm not going to say the name, but according to this, I was supposed to be in a mansion with oh boy. We were supposed to be married for 15 years and have four children. So for those of you that don't know, I have six children and I do not have four children by anyone, one particular person. So this was already not going to come to pass. Okay. So I said all of that to say, like, first of all, I found it very entertaining. Second of all, things don't always turn out the way that we may have hoped they would turn out, um, the way that we had predicted it would turn out. Um, the way that we had prayed it would turn out. It didn't always happen like that verbatim. Now, there may be some similarities. There may be some things that do transpire that you're like, wow, okay, this really did come to pass. Maybe I didn't expect it to like, let, I'm gonna give you an example because y'all know I love to give examples. So let's say that um, you wanted to graduate in four years and then life, you pretty much blindsided you. So where you thought you would graduate in four years, you did end up graduating. But instead of it being in a four-year span, it ended up being in a six-year span. So the vision came to pass. There was just a detour along the way. And so I wanted to talk about a subject. And <clears throat> for those of you that don't know, if you've never joined in, I am practicing abstinence. Now, this is not my first time practicing abstinence. I have been abstinent before. As a matter of fact, I was abstinent before I married my one and only husband that I've ever had, my ex-husband. So I was abstinent prior to our getting married. <clears throat> I did not, excuse me, I did not, we didn't consummate our relationship until our actual wedding night. However, Dude, and we didn't stay married. So we were married for six and a half years total, but we didn't stay married. And now he's remarried. Um, however, when I was looking over just some of the choices that I've made and then just reminiscing on some of the conversations that I had, one of the things that I noticed is that I haven't really, as, much, as long as I've had this podcast going, I haven't really honed in on the subject of sex. And so... Um, if this is a trigger for someone, y'all can just go ahead and log off now because I'm not trying to offend anyone. Um, and I, this is my disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a psychologist. Um, this whole <laughs> thing is for entertainment purposes only. You can agree to disagree. I will not hold it against you. So please don't hold it against me. But we're going to talk about sex, baby. And one of the reasons why is because I believe that 
There are so many different opinions centered around sex. There are those people that believe in getting it where, where get in where you fit in. There are some people that believe waiting until you say I do. There are some people that believe being a virgin until you say I do. <clears throat> a lot of opinions are based on Bible knowledge. And then some are, some opinions are based on experience. And then some are based on religion. So it just depends on where you fall within that spectrum. And we're going to talk about it. So um, to start off, also, I need y'all to understand that whether you are saved or a heathen, a saint or a sinner, um, y'all are not going to agree with every word that proceeds out of my mouth going forward. So I get it. Okay. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, nor am I even saying that my answer's right. I'm just giving my opinion, okay? That's what this is all about. I'm just going to give my opinion. And we hear this a lot, to each his own. That's kind of like the theme of this, to each his own pertaining to sex, because I am not God. So I don't have a heaven or a hell to pitch you in. However, let's talk about it. So, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I've been a virgin. I lost my virginity at age 17. I did not marry the person that I lost my virginity to. And that whole scenario, this person had um, caused me to believe or had me believing that he was a virgin also. That was the ball faced life. But anyway, then I was abstinent. Until I married. So, and it wasn't no long period of time. I was only absent for a little bit over a year. It wasn't like a long extended period of time. Um, however, I was abstinent. I did not know my ex-husband until our wedding night. He did not know me until our wedding night. We stayed married for six and a half years. We have two beautiful children. And so, um, I've been on two different sides of the spectrum. So I said that to say, in all fairness, although we didn't wait a long period of time, because we literally only knew each other for four weeks. We and within that four week span, we went on one date. Um, I knew that he was going to be my husband. He knew that I was going to be his wife. We went to marriage counseling and the pastor apparently thought we were compatible. And so next thing you know, we were saying I do. So that's pretty much how that went down. Um, however, maybe that's why I was able to remain abstinent is because we married quickly. And that was along the lines of the whole, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So I got a whole opinion about that because I feel like sometimes that could get you in a lot of trouble when you pretty much apply the word the way that you feel that the word should be applied. Sometimes I believe that that could get you in a, a world of hurt um, because you're trying to adhere to the, the, you're trying to adhere to the scripture without the full knowledge of what that truly means um, and without truly counting the cost, counting up the cost. And sometimes I believe by doing it that way that you could end up doing more harm than good, but that's my opinion. So, um, even though we have two beautiful children from that experience, our, I believe that our marrying quickly so that we wouldn't burn with passion 
was the word of God taken out of context. That's just me personally. And um, I would never take back the fact that we have these two beautiful children because I love them dearly. However, um, that's another reason why I believe that, you know, you got to do what's best for you. Um, Yes, the Bible is a guide. And I hear a lot of people say that, you know, they adhere to the word of God. They submit to the word of God. And that's great. That's great. That's great for those that do that. But I've also witnessed the opposite. So I've witnessed where someone and this is the thing that gets me. This is just I'm just going to be 100 percent raw, real. And and I'm going to be wise, too. But I'm going to talk about it, because have you ever noticed that there are some people who will not adhere to the word, right? That won't adhere to the Bible, do whatever they want in their flesh. But then the minute that let's say they do get married. So let's say they were sinning all the way up until the, they got to the altar. Now, all of a sudden you're married and you're preaching to everyone else about you need to adhere to the Bible. And I believe that's the reason why a lot of people call Christians hypocrites is because you weren't adhering to the Bible, but the moment that you became saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, all of a sudden you want to try to preach to me what I should be doing according to scripture, but you yourself were not doing that. But now, because you're trying to, for whatever reason, everybody has a reason why they do what they do. But it's like, I believe that's why a lot of times people call Christians hypocrites because they're, they're coming from a judgmental perspective instead of from a speaking the truth and love perspective. It's one of those, don't do what I say. Don't do as I do, do what I say. And that's what makes it hard for people to receive certain messages is because you're like, you didn't even practice what the heck you were preaching. Now, all of a sudden you want me to adhere to it because what it, you know, it makes you look like a better Christian. Um, if I do what you say and not what you did, whatever. So that's the, one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to speak that speak to this as well is because I have seen it from all sides. I've seen it where there have been couples that fornicated and they've been married for 30 plus years. I've seen it from where there has been a virgin who got married and they were married for 15, 17 years, something like that. They're mad about, and then he ended up committing adultery and now they're no longer married. Um, I've seen it to where there were really, I just, I think it's just one. Yes. She was a virgin. I can't speak to him, but she was a virgin and they've been married for 30 plus years. I've seen it to where they're both virgins and they've only lasted for 10 years. So I've seen it. And, and I'm saying that they were virgins, not before they said I do, they were virgins together And then they ended up getting married and they've been married for 10 years, but then they ended up in divorce. What I'm saying is we can't call it. So although for a lot of people, they would encourage us to wait to remain a virgin until you say I do for the simple fact of hopefully avoiding um, just a lot of confusion. Because in wedlock, the bed is undefiled and wedlock is considered holy matrimony. If you two are virgins before you get married, um, 
And then it's probably still considered holy matrimony, even if you weren't a virgin before you got married, because you're entering into a covenant relationship. Um, I guess that also just depends on who you're talking to. But the reality of it is, is that you can't call it. So because I've seen it from all these different perspectives, I've seen it from where a person and I'm not saying that I'm going to compromise my vow of abstinence for the sake of whatever. But what I'm saying is I've been there. I've been the person that was abstinent until I said I do. And the marriage didn't last. I haven't been remarried, so I don't know how that's going to work. I, I don't have that testimony yet, but I've also witnessed couples where they were intimate, where they weren't abstinent, where they weren't virgins, where they were intimate before they said I do. And they've been married for 40 plus years. There are some people that believe once you are intimate with that person, whether you have the actual vow or not, you've literally just entered into a marriage with that person. It's considered soul ties, but depending on what religion you're dealing with, um, that is a that literally is like you're married, which is another reason why I believe that some people encourage you not to um, have sex until you actually are married is because once you have made pretty much consummated that relationship is considered a marriage. And so um, I don't know if y'all remember, there's a scripture in the Bible where where um, Jesus had talked to the woman in the well and said that like the fifth or sixth guy that she was with or whatever, that even he's not her husband. But from my perspective, I believe what he was saying was like, you're treating these men as if they're your husband, maybe because she had slept with those men, but they were not his or her husband. Um, and that's just one example that comes to my mind. However, what I'm trying to get to is that you literally have to work out your own soul salvation. You literally have to do what gives you peace. And although the model is to wait until you are married, there are people that have not waited until they got married and their marriages have been as successful, if not more successful than those who have waited. Because I've also been in rooms talking about Clubhouse where I've had and listened to I've had the, the opportunity of listening into certain conversations. And one of the conversations that was held was that there's a certain stigma that is within the churches about women um, abstaining or whatever, not being intimate, not, you know, pre pretty much not really knowing what to do in the bedroom. Um, because they were held to a certain standard of, you know, you don't do this. We don't talk about this. We don't. And so by their being ignorant of what truly is required of their spouse or how to please their spouse, it has led to infidelity. And the reason why it's led to infidelity is because that man did not know how to communicate to her without offending her or without, um, insulting her when he was trying to express how he desires to be pleased in the bedroom. And so it's created this atmosphere, not all churches, but some churches have created this atmosphere that even in its appropriate setting, that sex still for some reason is considered not sacred or not right. 
And so by having that, I guess, perception or having that understanding when you do become intimate with your spouse, now it's more of a chore and not necessarily a pleasure because of what was attached to it prior prior to performing the act. I hope that makes sense. And so um, all I know is based on a lot of things that I've heard, a lot of things that I've sat in on. And there's one couple that I um, that comes to mind. They were intimate before they were married. They've been married for 30 something years. But even in that, they're not happily married. Then I know a couple that I think maybe maybe he maybe he wasn't a virgin, but she was a virgin and they're still married. They've been married for 30 plus years. And I know another couple that they've been married for 40 something years. They were intimate before they said I do. They're not happily married. So (laughs) sex ain't going to make the marriage happy. That's really I guess that's really what I'm trying to say without saying it. Sex alone is not going to give you a happy marriage. There's so much more that is required for you to experience happiness. I also know of a couple. Now, he don't know that I know this, but um, I also know of a couple where I don't know if she stepped out on him, but I know the person that he stepped out on her with and they've been married for 20 something, like almost 30 years. They've been married for almost 30 years. And in her mind, he's been nothing but loyal. And in his mind, he knows the truth. He knows the truth. Um, and so I'm not like, I'm not advocating cheating on your spouse. No, what I'm saying is, is that you can't call it. Like there are some people that they have literally adhered to the word of God and they have done everything by Bible and they still end in divorce because it takes more than just sex to hold on to a marriage. Whether you have sex before the mar- the wedding day or whether you didn't have sex before the wedding day, it's still going to take more than sex to keep that marriage going. You've got to be able to communicate to that person. You've got to be able to understand their love language. You've got to be able to know when there's been a shift in the atmosphere and when something is not right and try to come together and communicate and figure out where are we, you know, maybe he hasn't had a home cooked meal in in a month and you didn't even realize that you ain't really been taking care of home like that. Um, Maybe that conversation is required. Maybe y'all haven't had date night. And because you haven't had date night in a minute, he's starting to feel some type of way. Maybe he's tired of the, um, Jesus, what is the, I I can't even, it's been so long. I can't even, I don't even know the name of the positions now because it's been so long since I've been intimate. But anyway, I digress. But, um, Oh my goodness, I can't think of... Anyway, I'm just going to say the traditional way. So maybe he's tired of having sex the traditional way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's called something I just can't think of it right now because it's been that long, okay? But anyway, so it's like maybe he's tired of that. Maybe he wants oral sex and you ain't giving him oral sex. Um, It's just there's so many things that could be causing a friction in the relationship aside from sex, not just sex, but... You got to be willing to communicate with your partner. Like you've got to be willing to see where are you at in this season of our relationship? 
Um, I remember, okay, so one of the prime examples, we thought, I mean, maybe it was, maybe it was just me. Maybe I'm the only one that thought that Will and Jada Smith had like the best marriage ever. And then to discover that even she was involved in an entanglement. It happens. It happens. So like I said, I'm not advocating for adultery, but what I'm saying is that Sex is not going to keep a marriage. So you've got to be willing to do the work. You've got to be willing to communicate. I'm sure that there were signs before the entanglement took place in that marriage. I'm sure that there were signs that neither one were willing to heed. Like I'm sure that there were things that were transpiring, whether it be lack of communication, whether it be lack of intimacy, whether it be lack of understanding. I'm sure that there were things that were taking place prior to the entanglement manifesting. But because those things were not delved into, they weren't discussed, they were ignored, maybe brushed up under the rug. Um, maybe they were at their wits end with one another. Maybe they didn't know how to, you know, get to a point of I'm willing to listen to you and you're willing to listen to me. And then all of a sudden, this is what transpires. And now we got more work to do because if we're trying to save the marriage, now we have even more work to do because we allowed it to get this far. Why come we didn't heed the signs? What was it about you that made me not to want to tell you um, that this is where I'm hurting or what was it about you that didn't want to hear the fact that I was hurting in this area? What is it about you that did not want to connect to me any longer and vice versa? So there's so much more. And then too, there's, there's so much more to marriage than just sex, but also there are different ways of intimacy that can lead up to sex. So sometimes there's a disconnect. So even let's just say that, that you are deciding to be, you know, abstinent until you say I do. I don't know why there's, because I literally had this conversation with a gentleman and he was just so adamant about like, why is it that you're, are you trying to wait till you get married and just went through this whole little thing or whatever. And I was like, I don't know what the future holds. I'm not God. I don't know. All I know is that my desire is not to lay with another man that is not my husband period. That's like, that's just my desire. Now, I mean, am I going to be able to wait until I say I do? Only God knows that. Um, but I know that he is a keeper of those who desire to be kept. And he's also a keeper of those that don't necessarily want to be kept. I've seen that also on both sides of the spectrum. So I know it's attainable, um, uh, because I've been there, done that. So if I did it once, I could do it again. If I waited until I got married the first time, I could wait until I get married the second time. Um, however, I said all of that to say this, when it comes to um, relationships, when it comes to intimacy, even if a person desires to be abstinent until they say I do, there is also ways to be intimate. And I'm not talking about sexual. I'm talking about there are ways to be intimate with with your purpose partner um, for you to be able to show that there's a side of you that maybe they're curious about, but you can't delve too deep into that, but to let them know you're in good hands. Like, you know, I'm not, you're not going to get married to me and be like, oh my goodness, what in the world did I just, you know, land in? No, you're going to, you know, if anything, you're going to be like, this was truly worth the wait. And th these are the reasons why, but 
You can be intimate with the person. You can find ways to minister love to a person without sex being a part of the equation. And I feel like that's important as well because you get to learn people on a different level. Now, you do know that there are seasons in your marriage. If you don't, let me shed some light. There are seasons in your marriage where let's say that you were hunching like rabbits in the very beginning. There are seasons in your marriage where that y'all may not be intimate for four weeks. Y'all may not be intimate for six weeks because there are certain things that are taking place in the household. He may have to work long distance. I pray to God he ain't been unfaithful while he's working long distance. I pray to God she ain't being unfaithful while she's working long distance. But there may be times that you cannot be connected for the sake of your employer. There may be times that you cannot be connected for the sake of an illness. There are times that something may take place to where that's when you truly have to practice self-control. You've got to know that the person that you've yoked up with, that you, you are able to, and hopefully able to trust them in all facets of that marriage, because there, that will be tested. Your intimacy will be tested. That's just a part of life. So it's like, Hopefully y'all have established the type of bond to where she knows she can trust you in her absence and you know that you can trust her in her absence and you both know that absence makes the heart grow fonder. So in the course of y'all not coming together, hopefully you have learned how to minister to each other on a level of intimacy where she still feels desired and where you still feel desired and where you come together, there's the passion and it's like, bam, like this was all worth the wait. I hope that's what y'all are working with. But if you're not working with that, sometimes you may require counseling. Sometimes you may require some type of um, video or whatever, some educational video or whatever. And then women, you need to be willing to. Okay. So when it comes to your spouse, Men are created differently. So as his wife or as his future wife, you should be willing to listen to what his desires are. Like if the minute he tells you what his desire is and you cringe like, oh, that's so nasty. That's so gross. Girl. Work on it, please. Thank you. Because these men, that kind of stuff. I don't know why they are the way they are. <laughs> God created them the way that they are. But a man knows what he wants. Okay. So you got to be willing to rem keep an open mind. I'm not talking about, you know, all this extra stuff. I'm not talking about extra marital affairs. I'm not talking about bringing excess into the bedroom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just you and him, you and him girl. So, but the thing of it is, is that if he has a certain desire, let's just say he wants you to wear a wig, girl, wear that wig. Stop making it seem like, oh my goodness, he wants to fantasize size about it let you need to be his fantasy in every arena trust and believe that and if you don't know how to do that you need a big sister remember how in the churches we used to have I say we but I mean I remember it happening I think by the time I was going to church or whatever it wasn't happening like that anymore but we used to there used to be mothers in the church and the mothers in the church would talk about you know, this is how a lady needs to be a lady. This is what you need to do. You don't give them too much. You know, we don't have the mothers in the church anymore. We don't have the, the women that are willing to kind of tell you the unadulterated truth. No bars held. Now it's more or less, it's just a lot of judgment going on. But it's like one of the things that I believe are necessary is truly to be able to have that type of dialogue. 
There are women that know how to get a man, but they don't know how to keep a man. Hello. So in order to learn how to keep a man, you need to be able to have conversations with someone that's wiser, someone that's smarter that can be like, girl, let me tell you, you know, without me being too graphic or whatever, you're going to need to please this man. And, you know, you're going to have to have open dialogue with him. You may have to, you know, role play every once in a while. You there's going to have to be things that you that you necessarily were not taught in or out of the church. But in order to keep him satisfied, there are certain things you need to be willing to do. And then maybe he has to be your teacher in that arena. Maybe he has to show you, okay, I know that this is something that you've never done. Okay. I know that this is something you're not familiar with, but, uh, this is something that I desire. Can we talk about it? Can we lead into it? Can we, you know, the bed is under fire. Remember if you husband and wife, so be willing to learn different things for the sake of pleasing your spouse. And hopefully he's willing to learn different things for the sake of pleasing you as his spouse. But I just know that it truly is to each his own. I just know that we cannot call it no matter how badly you want to adhere because truth be told, let me just keep it 100. I am no longer a virgin, honey. So going, I am also a divorcee, honey. So from going forward, let's just say if I were adhering to the word of God. So according to the word of God, according to the word of God, with me being a divorce, something about like, okay, you're not supposed to divorce your spouse. For the sake of marrying someone else. So I didn't do that. So we're good in that arena. However, um, based on if we were to go from a biblical perspective, I probably should never remarry. If I was going based on Bible. Because I'm not married to my first husband. He's remarried. So if we were going on Bible, I probably shouldn't even be thinking about a future hubby. If we were going on Bible. I'm not a widow. He's still alive. If we were going on Bible, I'm just saying. So um, I literally am just saying, yes, use it as a guide, but make sure you have like a prayer relationship. If you don't, if you don't believe in God, I don't know what to tell you because I'm coming from the fact that I do believe in him. So with me, I consult with God. So when I became abstinent, I had a conversation with him. There was a reason why I became abstinent. Because I, I knew that I wanted a different result. I knew that I was tired of the whole tail between your legs. Oh, God, let me repent. I got sick and tired of that whole thing. I got sick and tired of sinning and then having to go back and um, afraid to talk to God, giving myself about a week before I go back and repent because I was like, I don't want to be in your presence. I know I sinned. I just got tired of that whole situation. So in order for me to kind of like wipe my conscience clean I became abstinent. Plus, I know that I desire a husband. I don't desire a plaything. Now, my husband can be my plaything, but I don't want just a plaything. So, with me knowing that, I was like, girl, you got to do something different. Because this, this, this right here, this is not working. This is not working for you. So, my whole thing is find what works for you. I know personally success, one successful relationship. And I'm saying this one, I know a lot of married people, (laughs) but I know of one successful relationship where the bride was a virgin when she married her groom. One of all the married couples that I know, 
I know of one successful relationship where the bride is still married to her groom to this day. This means that the, they are still together. They still like each other. They still date each other and they are still in love. I only know one. I know another successful relationship that I'm aware of that neither person was a virgin. They are still together. They still like each other and they are still in love almost 20 years later. So I know that whether I'm looking at the one where she was a virgin and I'm looking at the one where they neither one was a virgin. I've seen success on both ends. You can't call it. You can pray for it. You can hope for it, but you can't call it. So the best thing for you to do, in my opinion, is to allow God to order your steps because you can't call it. I tried to call it. I was thinking, oh, if I it's better to marry than to uh, burn with passion. I'm not going to be intimate with this man until we say I do. I'm thinking, OK, you know, we're going to be together to death do us part. That did not happen. I've seen couples where the odds were stacked against them. They didn't do nothing right. And they are still happily married to this day. They do nothing right. They do nothing according to scripture other than say I do. <laughs> That's the only thing they did was say I do. Everything else leading up to they was freaky deaky, all of that kind of stuff. And they're still happily married to this day. You cannot call it. So stop trying to be God. Stop trying to be God. Let him work it out. Let him show you what to do. If you sin, if you fall short, repent wholeheartedly don't do it haphazardly like I'm gonna be sending again tomorrow that's not how that's supposed to work but if you however you choose to orchestrate your sex life your marriage whatever I'm just saying friend to friend make sure that you incorporate the creator because he knows the person that you're getting married to he knows their proclivities he knows their issues he knows their love language even if they haven't even learned how to articulate what their love language is he knows their love language seek his face while he may be found to figure it out but don't try to do it on your own don't try to control the narrative it is what it is like god knows my desire is to wait for my future hubby I'm willing to wait as long as it takes. I believe that there's a man out there that is like-minded that agrees he ain't dipping, he ain't dabbling. I'm not dipping, I'm not dabbling. I believe that one day we are past going to cross. We're going to be in sync with one another. I ain't really going to have to say much because he's, if anything, he's going to be telling me because he'll already know that that's where my, that's where I'm at. God will have already, he, he would have already consulted with God. This is now, look, I might be living in a fantasy world. So let me just fantasize for a moment. He would have already consulted with God. And so when he finds his rib, he will know. And he will, God will give him the instructions on how best to approach me. And he will give me the instructions on how. And then, of course, we're just going to have open dialogue. So there may be things that I don't know about him that I'm going to be like, okay, so given this, this scenario, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna give y'all another example. Y'all know me. I love to give examples. So one thing that I've learned about couples, some couples, whenever they're in a public atmosphere, especially if they know, you know, who they're dealing with or who they're married to, they have like these distress words. I'm gonna just give one pineapple. So, um, let's just say that you're married to a guy who is a reformed player and there are, you go to like a party and four of the 15 girls at that party actually were women that he used to be intimate with. 
So the distress word is pineapple. So whenever they're, let's say they're coming up to you ladies and they're like, hi, how you doing? And he's like, pineapple. Now you're not blindsided because you know, oh, okay. So you used to lay with my man. So pretty much you're just trying to see what it is. You're trying to size me up on the cool. I'm not blindsided. Thank you, boo-boo. We'll talk about it later in more detail when we get home. But now I know how to approach the situation because I'm not blindsided. I know who it is that's in front of me. Nine times out of 10, you just trying to figure out why it is he chose me and not you. But that's another story for another time. So Maybe those are the type of conversations that y'all need to have. Like this is the distress word. You know, whenever y'all are out and he is, you know, chumming it up, elbowing up with some dude and you're like <laughs> pineapple, then he knows, oh, okay. So you just trying to figure out why it is that, yeah, she chose me and not you. Yeah, that's another story for another day. But yeah, that's mine now, you know? So you got to do whatever works for you and your union, your relationship. Don't allow other people to try to dictate to you. I'm giving y'all examples. I ain't dictating nothing. Don't allow anyone else to dictate to you how to run your relationship. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, period, point blank. So for those of you that are just like, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to go about this for all of the abstinent people in the world. Whoop, whoop. Um, for all of the virgins in the world. Whoop, whoop. And for all of you that just like, you know what? I like what I like when I want what I want. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so I hope that y'all are doing well. I hope this is going to conclude my episode on today. Um, but before I completely conclude my episode, I wanted to read my letter to my future hubby. It's been a hot minute. I know today is May the 21st, but I wrote this to my future hubby on May the 18th. So here we go. Dear future hubby, it's been a while, a few days to be exact, since I've last written to you. So let me catch you up with what's been going on in my world. First off, my dog had to be euthanized on May 12th of 2021. Yes, euthanized. He had cancer. This was something I had to do. As the vet put it, to show one last act of kindness toward him and to put him out of his misery while he was suffering. My children and I, plus my son's girlfriend and my brother's girlfriend were present as well. We loved on him so much. His name was Russell. We walked him around the area where he would eventually be euthanized. We fed him treats, we videotaped him and expressed our love towards him pet him and this was extremely difficult but we did this as a family we even had him do the tricks that he taught that we taught him that he was taught the only thing he didn't do was bark one last time nevertheless we nevertheless we said our goodbyes i'm still grieving this deep loss however I take moments to review the videos of Russell whenever my heart gets way too heavy. My youngest child took it the hardest, in my opinion. She and Russell had a very unique relationship. Although it seemed as if he was forever getting on her nerves, it was the bond these two had that made them inseparable. 
Then there is my 20-year-old man. How it breaks my heart to see men cry. And it broke my heart to see my son cry. Last but not least, my 17-year-old son. He really took this hard. He didn't want to talk about it either. However, I know the only reason why we were able to get through that moment of deep sorrow is because we went through it together. We don't want another pet. No, not right now. Russell will be cremated and we will have his paw print. This is where we are at with that. This is where I will end on catching you up because the next thing I will share with you could literally be the next bestseller. <laughs> so I'll put that experience on pause as I figure out a way to share those details with you. Just know this one thing, your presence is needed. Your strength is desired. Your love is yearned for. Your prayers, I pray, are being answered. I love you, love, Teresa. So I hope y'all have a blessed and wonderful morning, evening, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And please do me a huge favor and take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.